What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's feature is Oakland native, hip-hop artist, community advocate, and my brother, my friend, Mr. Fab. What's up, my G? How you doing? Hey, Ms. Brooks, how you doing? I'm just enjoying it, man. Waking up, getting at it, <laughs> putting it together. Man, if you don't call me Cat, we might fight before this interview we even start. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, Miss Cat. Yeah, all right. It's been too long, too many hugs, too too much for all of that. Um, I, I don't get to talk to you very much in this capacity, though, so I'm excited about this conversation. Um, and Fab, I want to get right into it. You are an Oakland native. Um, I, I want you to spend some time talking to us about Oakland then and now. What's changed? What's the same? And my brother, in this 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 dark period of time, not and not just for Oakland, right? We're seeing this in black communities across the country. What's the way out? Um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine earlier, and I told him that 50 years ago, we did more with less. Fast forwarding, now we're doing less with more. Uh, and, and the mobilization of us as a community, us as a people, I think that some of the things that has progressed with us, the further that we advance in technology, the shorter that we communicate in humanity. And unfortunately, that has always been a sign of the times. I, I distinctively remember reading a quote. Uh, it was either from Einstein or Frank, one of them white people. They were saying, as technology advances, humans will lose their grip of reality. And that's what's going on, man. You know, they've stripped communication out of our communities. They've stripped the common unity out of our communities. And now to have a regular conversation with someone is far and fetched. So we must need to go back. We, we have to get back to that, to talking to each other, to building with each other, to expanding, to sharing ideas, to creating think tanks to where we can actually say, let's move on that. That was a great idea. Let's move on it. For several great ideas have just perished in the mind and haven't been able to be turned into flesh. And that's what we have to get back to do, mobilizing these ideas and these thoughts and enacting and inoculating them into the reality that we see to actually help change the narrative. And I want to talk about um, some of the ways that you're doing that. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about you as a hip hop artist in, in a minute, but I, I think that you are really a walking, breathing example of what it looks like to use your platform, your relationship with community, not forgetting the community, right, that, that, that built you um, and giving back. And, and one of the things that you and I specifically have been talking about lately is trauma, right, and, and the role of trauma. Um, in terms of the violence that we're seeing on our streets, the mental health issues that we're seeing on our streets, and and understanding right that that only using the carceral state uh, is just not going to get us to where we need to go. And in fact, the carceral state is just going to inflict more th- trauma. Um, and you mentioned in passing to me at the the Black Panther event the other day something that you you're working on now called Thug Therapy. What is that? Thug Therapy is a it's like a street form of therapy, therapeutic relief. And, and thug, the thug is standing for teaching, helping, uniting, and, and, and guiding, teaching, healing, understanding, and guidance. You know what I mean? Um, the, the beauty of it is saying we have to, for so long in our communities, thug it out. Oh, your mama died. Thug it out. You don't know your daddy. Thug it out. 
your brother in jail. Thug it out. Your sister got five kids. She got to thug it out. You're living up in Section 8 to rent late. You know what I mean? It, and we've been taught to just thug it out. But thug it out is actually damaging us even further. Because as we get older, we haven't had a chance to let it out. We haven't had a chance to vent it out, pry it out, heal, to actually say, let me be embraceive. Let me be very authentic in my emotion at the moment. It's okay to not be okay, but we've been normalized and, and taught to normalize this pain so much that, oh man, my brother just died. Oh, it's okay. It's going to be greater in a better place now. What? What does that have to do with me right now and what I'm going through? And nobody is realizing that. And that on top of that, we creates these onions and these onions continue to be thicker and thicker and thicker and the layers and they grow and they grow. And now you walk around with a group of people that are desensitized because they haven't been taught how to embrace their emotions. That's right. And the, and the normalization of it, I, I, I was, this was a few months ago and I was in the middle of a conversation and I was, I was talking about, you know, you hear about someone that just got murdered down your block. I mean, this is an older saying, but, but still, you know, that, you know, it's just another day in the hood. This is another day on the block. And then people just keep it pushing. Right. Like someone wasn't just blown away at 11 o'clock in the morning on your doorstep. And I really sat or with me. Or six people shot at school yeah. or kids. Shot, like my daughter's, there was a shooting up at Oakland Tech the other day. And, my daughter didn't even tell me. Somebody had to tell me from, um, and so I called her like, yo, it was a shooting at your school today? She's like, oh yeah, they were shooting at the, at the donut shop. It was cool though. I'm like, it was cool though. And I'm just like, that's our children. We, our children are dealing with this. We're dealing with children that are desensitized. That doesn't affect them. Like, that's crazy to me that it's like a shooting at the school and no one talks about it. No one talks about it. I mean, the only people that are talking about it, right, are, are, are folks who don't look like the folks that are actually being harmed by the violence and using it to right. criminalize uh, and, and, and push those of us who are impacted out. But that's uh, probably another conversation. Walk me through, walk us through how thug therapy works in practice. And I know you've had at least one session. What was that like? So it's an open invite to the men in the community. Um, I think I will, I want to separate the genders. And the reason why is because some won't feel, some women won't feel comfortable talking to men about what they're going through because what they're going through sometimes have been induced by men. And it's hard for a woman to open up to somebody because every time they look at this individual, it may remind them of an assailant that did something to them or you know, some things like that. So I want to separate it. I want men to actually have an opportunity to sit up and talk to other men. So it's an open invite. We created, I did one and you'll be amazed at the layers of trauma that some of us carry with us and the walk around weight. The walk around weight is so much heavier and you get down and you begin to talk and you, you, you debrief the the room and you look and once one man gets to talk about some things that he may have gone through. And, um, for instance, it was a case of a young brother who was having a conversation with his mom and she said to him, baby, we got to get clean. And he, he looked at her like, what you mean? We got to get clean. You don't want to use drugs. And her response was, you don't want to sell drugs. 
we both addicted. Mm. And he said, man, and it was at that he said, and it was at that point that I realized that I was ad- addicted to drug selling. He was like, I was addicted to dope. But in our minds, we don't look at it like that because we hustling or we selling or we grinding or we getting money. But in actuality, the drug dealer and the drug user are the same. They both have an addiction. And it was just like, he began to open up. No, he began to open up. And as he took off the layers of his onions, others began to do it. And then the tears came because people start realizing, damn, I've been, I'm addicted too. Uh, that just brought up a lot of, uh, uh, wow, a lot of emotion for me. That's a similar dynamic with that I had with my father. Uh, my father taught me the game. You know, I, was, I wasn't raised out here. I was raised in Las Vegas. Uh, and then ultimately he went to prison for both his addiction uh, to the substance and to the money that the substance bring. And it took me, you know, some years to get up out of um, that, that life in, in, in let's, let's stay with this framing of an, an, an addiction. And I'm going to push you a little bit as your sister, because I, 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 I also heard him say, right. That, or you say, right. We hustling, we making money, et cetera. And I, I, there's this narrative, right. That, that our brothers and sisters are on these blocks, uh, selling dope because it's fun. And maybe for some folks, right. There's, there's, some of that but this idea that folks are making a gajillion dollars and living this life is just not the daily reality of d-boys on the block folks are trying to survive and i've heard in, in in some of these rooms when folks talk about well how do we get you out of this life so that we can get the violence off of our streets folks are like we need jobs and not mcdonald's jobs where we still can't pay our bills, but jobs that are going to allow us to pay our bills and also jobs actually that take into account the security protocols that we have to put in place as we get out of the life. Where does that fit into this conversation? Like, where do we hold the state accountable for some of this also? Well, we, also have to, we, we, we also have to be mindful that hustling and grinding and, and, and indulging in black activities is a reactionary response. We're reacting to and responding to the situations that we grow up in. Somebody told me the other day, I was like, man, you know what it's like in these streets? You, you, you signed up for this. I was like, my dude, I didn't sign up for this. I was born poor. I didn't have an option to say, oh, yeah, well, when, when, while I'm in the, in the stomach, yeah, well, have me in Montclair. I want to be born in Beverly Hills. Like, you know, those weren't the options that we had. And when we look at our communities that have been uh, socially engineered to be the way that they are, we have to understand that when these drugs and all of this stuff is coming in and flooding our neighborhoods, these are things that have... Uh, uh, th- th- this is socially engineered. So our response to that is saying, man, I'm, I don't want to sell drugs because that's the popular thing to do. I don't want to hustle because it just looks fun. No, I don't have no way to feed my family. My mama on drugs. My little brothers don't eat. Some of these dudes that's really outside, they had to be. You say, oh, go get a job. But I had to drop out of school at 13, 14 years old. I don't have it. I don't fit the the uh, the mental capacity or the educational level I'm, I'm not privy to that to being able to to say i can hold down this type of job or i'll go into construction and 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 get worked out of my years like you know what i mean like it's certain things it's just like man listen i'm not gonna i i i can't make excuses for anyone because at the end of the day i'm a living example of somebody i never sold drugs 
And I had all the reasons too. Mom was on drugs. Dad was on drugs. Mm. Brother was on drugs. My mom got 10 sisters, nine of them on drugs. I had, I, I had a, a, every reason to do it. But my discipline was more so about, I never wanted a kid to feel how I felt. I never wanted nobody to go through what I went. You know, the hero and the villain is the same person, Kat. And people don't understand that. The hero and the villain go through the same thing, and they're both rooted in the same pain. It's just their response. The hero says, I'm never going to allow nobody to go through what I went through. The villain says, everybody in the world going to feel my pain. And that's when they begin to set their journey. But unfortunately, in today's society, villains get more love. And villains get the notoriety. And we already know attention and fame is a hell of a drug. Our kids are getting high on that attention. We have to switch and pan the attention from the villains back to the heroes. Because all heroes don't wear capes. And not trying to sound cliche, but that's true. Some of our heroes never gained the notoriety. But they did the work. And those are the things that we have to amplify. We can no longer look at the problems and the defamation of our communities and the destruction of our communities and begin to always point that out. We already know. We live there. Let's start looking at the solutions and be based in the changing of the narratives. And that's what we have to set out to do. And to those that are changing them, amplify them so they can be in the eyes of those kids that are deciding, are they going to be a hero or a villain? I guess where I would really where I I would really agree with you there is like those of us who did make it out right that because because if if I look at where I started and where I'm at now that it don't make no sense and 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 that's why I, I have a very close conversation with my God every single day because because in human terms it makes no sense so that means then I have a responsibility right I have more of a responsibility than perhaps maybe the the brother who lives across the street from me. To, to do things differently, to create pathways, to reach back, develop leadership, to talk to young women when they reach out on Facebook. I, I Whether I have time, energy, or whatever, that's my responsibility. And I see that play out for you in terms of the, the ways in which you're an entrepreneur. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about being an entrepreneur and how you're sharing those skills with the young folks in our community. As you said, you know, if you know, you owe. My grandfather used to always say that. He said, man, you know, you owe. And when I was young, I never really understood what he was talking about. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he would break it down where he would say, if you know better and you don't do better, your consequence is held at a greater consequence than anyone else's because you knew. I can't blame you if you don't know. And these people that are not in touch or don't come from the lives that we come from that have just been influenced by it and they want to indulge in it because they think that it's cool. They think that it's, oh, it's dope. So the white kid that says the N-word because all of his friends says this and he thinks that it's cool, but he didn't grow up in the community. He, didn't, he, has none, he has no knowledge of it. He doesn't feel it. They think it's cool. They don't know no better. We educate them. But to the person that comes from it, there is an unwritten obligation that you must carry out for me coming from the areas that i come from it is my main objective to be able to go out and show these kids that you can do it a different way it doesn't have to just be 
sports. It doesn't just have to be entertainment. It doesn't have to be any of that. But if it does, if it is that, then go do it unadulteratedly, unwavering, but believe in yourself. My self-belief is one of the only things that allowed me to push forth. Plus, I had a praying grandmother and a mother that was willing to do anything. I remember my mama going to the corner, pulling out a gun on them dudes. Like, dude, if y'all sell my son some drugs, I'm willing to die about that. Mm. I had that kind of mother. Black mama's boy. Who really pulled up on the block, pulled out a gun and said, I am willing to kill or die about the well-being of my son. I'm serious about that. Y'all bet not sell my son no drugs or allow him to sell drugs. And she was serious about that. And so I have to be serious about my dedication and my discipline, not only to my community, but to my mother's legacy, to the ancestors that fought and fought and fought to continue to change the narrative to the heroes that never gained notoriety, that was never amplified, that just focused on doing the work. Me being able to do the work and get noticed for it, that's a blessing. But I'm not here for the headlines. I'm here for the healing. And the healing process is something that will continue to go on long after I'm here. I just hope that I can leave this place much better than it was before I got here. And leave a legacy that people can hang on to and continue to further the work. All right. Five, my listeners are going to yell at me if we don't talk a little bit about the music. Um, talk to us about finding hip hop. What role hip hop for you has played in all of this and what role you see it playing as you continue your work in community. Hip hop has given me the, pedal, the platform and the, the, the pedestal to be able to talk and the podium. Um, and it's all about the message that you discuss when you're at the podium. In my early years, it was about narrating the things that we were going through. It was about having fun. And sometimes it takes a person some years to adhere to the position that has been placed upon them. Um, what has been bestowed upon, upon me is becoming a voice of uh, the culture to be able to be uh, a recognizable face in my demographics. And it is a void in someone that speaks for the things that we speak of and on behalf of. I utilize music as that platform and that podium to talk about a multitude of things. Now, I'm not here to proclaim or profess to be the most positive individual. There will be mistakes that I will make. I am human. I tell people, don't blow me up to be the Martin Luther King or Malcolm X's or Huey Newton's, I'm me. I've, I've utilized their guideline and their blueprint to implement things in our community, but still in all, I am up for the next mistake because all it takes is for one mistake for everybody to feel like you've done nothing right. <laughs> Some people get into a position and they make it seem like they're just so perfect. And that leads them up for the hardest fall that they've ever fell from, the fall from grace, the fall from glory. And when you feel like everybody turned their back on you, no, I'm, I, I expect it every day. There's, I'm one post away from getting canceled. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I have the, I have the courage to do it. And I have the knowledge to understand that, man, I am living my life. I am not here for the cheers or the cheers. You know, if you, if, if you live for the cheers, you'll die by the cheers. So I use music man, to talk about my life. This is real. This is my life. This is my ventilation system. I talk about what I'm going through. Happy, sad, angry, mad, loving, 
hateful, despiteful. Man, I talk about all of that in my music, and I feel like that's what music should be. Music should be a collective of all of your emotions, and you should be able to put it out. I feel like I feel like this album, arguably, is one of my best albums, but it didn't it didn't gain once I once again when I talk about it, it didn't have the same. You know, it it, it didn't get. Well, matter of fact, I put it out. I put it out in 2020. Wow, that's crazy. Okay. It didn't gain like people didn't listen to it like that. But to me, this is one of my best albums. The album is called America Don't Love Us. Okay. And it's a very it's a it's a very political based album. Um, it was me in rare form. It was me in this conversation of where I am now. Okay. Um, from the from the cover of the album. To everything the cover of the album has a man uh with his head into the to, into the shoulders into the shoulders and the ears of his woman you know um for every black man there's a strong black woman behind him and this woman is holding her husband but the whips on his back he has whips from being lashed and he has six shots in his back like the cover is so graphic it's oh my god you gotta y'all have to listen to this album it's called america don't love us i'm gonna pull um, it up because because what you don't know is that you're you're in my workout rotation so now i'm gonna i'm gonna go find this album and that'll be today's uh you're, you're gonna love this album workout. like this album is gonna be like wow like why didn't we push this album and the record is called power okay and um it's one of my favorite songs off this project and um one thing that i've learned and i'm learning is that just because the record is old to me doesn't mean that it's still new to everyone else and every day people discover new music that they'll go back to and 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 it'll go up i think that one day this project will be studied and and people will utilize this project as something to dissect about the times that we are living in. Mm. I did it like at the, the paramount of COVID and it's, oh man, y'all got to listen to this album. This album is super dope. It's called America Don't Love Us. And like I say, I put it out a couple years ago, but it, it's super dope. Power to the people. And one of the great problems of history is that the concepts of love and power have usually been contrasted as Opposites, polar opposites. Power Yo, uh, I had a vision of me being a future politician. Practicing my policies, pushing patience from opposition. Properly performing from pages, poets to papa's pimping. Poetic paradises, paraphrasing pair prices. Papa was missing it, paralyzed the path of my vision. Raised by the peas, the pimps, players, pagans, and pigeons. And the prostitutes that gave their portions to pimping. Whoever thought this kid would go into politics? Poor prince from poverty, politicking with politicians. From past pension, the prophets' pamphlets have been written. Prescribed through hieroglyphics, described on Mount Olympus. The power of pure precision, the power of people listen. Power to the people, my people power is endless. But power to the wrong people, keep the people at limits. Empower people to finish, empower people will witness how powerful people are when people's power is expended. Power. power is an acronym that stands for people organized and working for economic rebirth. The nice guys don't have any power. You have to recognize that with increasing power comes increasing responsibilities. Power at its best is love. I'm from the city 
and lost profits. Propaganda and COINTEL PRO. Purposely persecuted the Panthers and the Pope. Passionately prominent, dominant, obvious the audience know. Leaders like Huey and Bobby, they told them adios. You gotta go. You gotta know I'm taking the same path. Productively pushing people past poverty's past. Per se, we planking at the pit of the slave ship. Promised lives from pilgrims from America's plane shift. Judicial system plainer. The government pain us as anus. Wish we had the same passion to be free as famous. Polygamous pimp sister-wise parliament trips. Passports revoked, provoked, calling it quits. Assassinations of imminent steel. Open castings from Emmett Till. Men that the women get killed. Brown versus border education. Emancipation proclamation. Wasn't freeing us, it freed their nation. We do not believe, sir, that black people should continue to depend on whites to do for us what we should be doing for ourselves. Power. Power, the people say, that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Not trying to sound apocalyptic, but this is what Pac predicted. Purple rain from Jimi Hendrix, the portrait, the picture given. The message from Five Theories, broken glass and project stairs. Evicted from apartments, under freeways they living there. Homeless, not helpless. Cardboards with notes, the Pimmons ships say help us. The village people kicked out of YMCA and shelters. NWAs, but attitudes is warranted. Predicaments appointed them. Peculiar particle, practically pardoned by articles. Petitions to put the people in position, but party on. Philanthropists dismiss politicians, they piss. And pass bills that exist to run game like cardio. Lil' Sis 16 pushing carts like Mario. Probably pregnant by a pimp, all because of the carion. But they don't want to hear the truth. Back to the rapping skit. Power to the people. Shout out my bro Kaepernick. Power, I think in the role of a teacher, we believe that a lot of the responsibility must rest firmly on our own shoulders. The mechanics. Power. We should turn that production power back into our own hands, build our own schools, our own factories, employ our own people. This would make us stronger black people. It would make us stronger America if blacks were allowed to do power. Uh, the United States... Uh, arrives at its power in part by restraining itself. 1-843-POWER. All right. I would hope that you all would call it. Yeah. Power. 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 I had a show the other day, and I spent more time talking to the people yeah. than I did rapping to the people. At 40 you. years old, the rap is like, I love it. I love it because it's, it gives me the, the stage. But once I've captivated the attention of the masses, my idea, I kind of like capitulate to rap. And I'm just like, okay, I leave it alone. I surrender that. And now here's Stanley. Y'all came to see Mr. Fab, but here's Stanley. And that's where I'm at with now. I feel like they were with you. They were with you. They were there for a hip-hop concert, but they were with you. There was Community Ready Cards event. I want to shout you out for something else you did, though, that day. Um, you brought this young woman, this young girl. Now, I can't call her a young woman. <laughs> what was she, like, six? Oh, my God. You brought the most precious black baby girl up there on stage with you and let her spit a couple bars. And all I could think was, man, she going to carry that with her for the rest of her life forever man brooklyn ivy man her mom had been hitting me on instagram for like she was like i want my daughter to perform at this event and i've been reaching out to the promoters and nobody has reached back and i'm going to be there if you could just so kindly just give her one minute on stage please and i just but i never responded to her uh, and then i read it but i didn't respond and then a day before 
I'm like, y'all gonna be there? She's like, oh my God, you responded. I'm, she's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna bring her on stage. And she was just like, you know, so then when I, when I got on stage, I looked and I saw her mother and I was like, okay, where's the baby? I'm like, okay, there she is. And that's when I stopped and did it. And I mean, that's where it is, man. Hip hop is a young man's sport and a young woman's sport. And the future is to continue to, to you know, to cultivate this role for them to be able to have a journey uh, to travel upon. And that's what I want to do, man. And, and, and in no form fashion, am I saying that, you know, I'm advocating away from my rapper position because I love it. Because as I said, this is my ventilation system. This is how I'm, I'm in the studio right now, but it's just about what I'm doing and where I'm at with it. I'm no longer trying to ooh and ah the crowd with like, you know, with, with things like that. I'm utilizing this as, you know, just a platform to engage in other situations and other top, topics of discussion. But actually, Fab, this is what I'm going to ask you is if you could connect us to that young woman, I'd like to record her and we can uh, incorporate her spitting a little bit into this conversation with you. Most definitely. Yep, I'm, I'll, I'll give her that. I would love to have her reach out, man. That's that's super dope, man. She because she has so much personality, man. Stuff, man, I, man, man, she was dope. She really was. It was so fun. I had the best time ever. I wish I was back on the stage again. I'm from San Francisco, California. I'm in third grade. I just rap. I like to do it in front of people, and it makes me, like, be so happy. It's the princess on the beat, Brooklyn Abbey, as you can see. It's for me to compete. What's for you? It's for you. What's for me? It's for me. I can't wait to see your back. Let's collab. Use your crown, sis. Best believe I got room in my door. Ain't no hating in my bar. I got dreams. I got talent. I'll go hard to show it off. Always standing in the crowd and I learn from a queen. If you ain't on my team, here's my hand. I'm just saying, got no time for you girls. Real drama. I just dance. I just dance. I just dance. Mimi and my thong. And you know we getting lit. TikTok's dance battles. Because you know I bring my heat. Brooklyn Ivy is the name, man. Don't you forget it. Do my dance. And that's it. Thank you, Mr. Fab. I know you're super busy. I, I I really appreciate you making the time, my G. And I look forward to, um, like I said, I'm going to hit you up because I, I want to do some more collaboration, particularly around this trauma stuff. So thank you, brother. And you have a beautiful and blessed day. Super love. You as well. You've been listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. And this has been Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's feature is Oakland native hip-hop artist, community advocate, my friend and brother. Mr. Fab. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Rask and the Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.